0: my
1: Five minutes after 6 a.m. Good morning, everybody. My name is Nahum Siegel. Welcome to a Wednesday. This is your Jewish Moments in the Morning radio program. We
2: shan't
0: a man, a mito. We shan't a man, we saw. We shan't a We shan't a man, a We sha we saw. God loch, good luck, Miss don't. I'm not a i you Schon mit dem XIV. Jetzt geht mir so gut, all das am Mokoi mir schieben. Mot ich mamlich gewählt als Mähnlich. Aber jetzt will ich reden zu dir, wie ein Kind im Taten persönlich. Be it no vini Shabbat <laughs> shumai Be chos maini Besai Fer Achai Rachmonu dayun Ay layani ayana Ay ches Be Tishrei nevai ne, bahar bei moifedus, nach By we Brachem- Und wer noch wie Tate versteht, sein Kind Stimme, wenn er geht Tate, Tate, süße, alles, was ich darf. Sie du, sie mein we La- to me why do we run why do we flee let's flee taking my children, my family, and my wife. I'm leaving this land tonight. I'm taking my children, my my family,
3: khoya lekin <speaking> hoishan <in Spanish> na le
0: He du dover. I've
4: ruined
0: his rock, he acquired mush, I hadn't he also dover. I've ruined his Ich bin der Wunsch, ich bin
2: JM in the AM.
1: Lipa, brand new. An album he calls Yom Tov Lipa with Ushpizen here at JM in the AM. We should really get him on the air. Should get him on at some point. Speak to him about the latest and greatest of what's happening. Hoshana before that, done by MD Schwartz. Rogers Park with Sukkas Falling and She-Ra. You heard Miloch Bronstein, brand new with Hasima. Hakshiva, brand new from the Shalsheles Reconnect. Um, yeah, we should get Yitz Rosenthal on also, or somebody from that project to discuss it. It's a good point. Um, Ari Goldwag and Kobe Brummer together with Hoshana, and of course, Regesh Modani opening things up, and we say good morning. Welcome to a, uh, what is today? Welcome to a <laughs> Wednesday. I, it's confused. Even my niece, even my niece in Israel was confused about the days You know, when Yom Kippur is on Monday and people in Israel figured the next day must be Sunday, so it's a day off for us. Then, of course, here, we think it's uh, the day after Yom Kippur is a Monday, right? How many people yesterday were looking at alternate side like I was in New York City and thinking it was Monday and not Tuesday? Anyway, (laughs) uh, not to confuse people anymore, uh, welcome to a Wednesday on this 27th day of September, day 12 in the month of Tishrei, the year is... 5784 Tuftshin paid Dollard. And a pleasure to welcome you aboard here at JM and the AM. Couple of days left till we get to Sukkis. Hard to believe, huh? Calendar keeps moving. Holidays are showing up. Oh, I didn't check the weather forecast for Friday night. That's something that I love doing live on the air. Because <laughs> I know how interesting it is to everybody. By the way, speaking of interesting, today's a good day to tune in, and I'm glad you have. Uh, Rabbi Dr. David Hertzberg is going to join us at 8.15. It is 50 years since the Yom Kippur War. He knows a tremendous amount about it, and we'll speak about it 50 years later in the 8 o'clock hour here at JMM. In fact, I'm going to cue up. We're going to play some of the music of the Yom Kippur War. Many of you well, many of you who remember the era that I remember um, will recall that... Um, Right after the Yom Kippur War, an album came out, which in my, in my estimation, probably one of the most important classic LPs, music albums, in Israel's history, it called Hamil Hamah HaKronah, The Final War. Uh, the centerpiece of the album was, of course, the Oram own selection that this will be the last war, the, uh, the guarantee he gives his daughter uh, that this will be the last war and uh in addition to that selection there are some incredible songs on it just incredible songs on it so we're going to do some of that all through the morning here at JMM I I was actually thinking of just playing the 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 album in its entirety straight but <laughs> which we could I guess yeah hey one of the benefits of being a free independent network we could do whatever we want um but instead I think we'll just uh I think we'll just you know play pieces of it throughout the morning here at JMM. anyway today's forecast sunshine and 68 at least if you're in the new york new jersey area we've been we've been going through a tremendous amount of rain recently including an extremely rainy yum kipper so a lot of people paying attention to the uh, weather wanting to know when the good weather is showing up so today uh, a good deal of sunshine thank goodness passing clouds tonight low 56 cloudy thursday Oh, and then Friday, rain. Almost 100% chance of rain on Friday. Wow. Friday night, light rain early, then cloudy with showers late. So there might be a window for us to eat in the sukkah, which would be amazing. It's the first night of Yontif, after all. Uh, if you're a man, you got to wait before you can eat in the sukkah. And as we've described, the sukkah's got to be, you know... In in an edible situation, so to speak, you have to wait for the rain to end, you know, wipe things down a bit and then, uh, and then get your quick meal in as soon as possible. Hmm. Interesting. I wonder if that window will be open on Friday night. So here, uh, the only, the hourly forecast I have only goes through 6am Friday and wow, we are expecting a lot of rain overnight, Thursday night into Friday. All right, see what happens. I guess we'll revisit this issue tomorrow, and and pray that everywhere, wherever there's a sukkah on this globe, there's no rain Friday night. That's the that's the uh, the wish. Not just here for New York and New Jersey. Now that we're a global entity, I've got to I've got to pray and and wish for everybody wherever there's a sukkah on this globe. It should be good, comfortable, rain-free weather and snow-free weather, I guess, depending on where you are. For every sukkah around the uh, planet Earth. Uh, Anyway, uh, we said we wanted to play some of the music of the Yom Kippur War, and that's exactly what we're going to do here on a um, Wednesday morning broadcast, 50 years after the Yom Kippur War, here at uh, JM in the AM. (laughs) J.M. in the A.M. and Lach Mali Dog. That is from the album entitled Milchama Achrona. Here at J.M. in the A.M., fifty years since the Yom Kippur War, and we will discuss it in the eight o'clock hour with or by Dr. David Hertzberg, who's going to join us here at J.M. in the A.M. I don't know why this. I'm trying to figure out why this collection is not is not doing the songs that. Uh, is not doing the songs that um, we're trying to do here. In uh, in a specific order. Let me see if I can figure this out. Because the collection is here. We have the collection of of music from the Umkipper War. Just trying to get it. Oh, maybe there we go. This is the centerpiece of this album, to say the least. Milcha with Yoram gone we'll probably do this another time later this morning here at JM the AM. Fifty years after the Yom Kippur War, we'll discuss more in the eight o'clock hour here at JM in the AM. <laughs>
0: ana shezot tihamil khamakhrona bishim kol hatankist im ufnehim ham ubakut asher averut kol al ash meashikot bishim hayama im ashar bashtu not blood blood. I'm not going to be Veniz refu be esh, Tilim ve esh nun mem Beshem Hatzan Chan Shebin of Fered Ve Asham Rahu Otach Mal Achne al Rosham The same thing is I'm going
1: Jam in the AM, what a song, Shmarly off of the collection of Milchama Ahrona, songs of the Yom Kippur War on this day that we're dedicating to the 50th anniversary of the Yom Kippur War by Dr. David Hertzberg is going to join us in the 8 o'clock hour and we are looking forward to discussing what was going on 50 years ago this week. Hard to believe, frankly, that 50 years have passed and that uh, the majority of people in our community... We're not even alive, right? I think that's probably safe to say. We're not alive when the Yom Kippur War began on Yom Kippur 1973. Unbelievable. JM and the AM here on a Wednesday morning broadcast. Thanks for joining us, everyone. Feel free to comment on the app. Go to the NSN, Nahum Segal Network app for Android and iPhone, and comment away. This is brand new from Yankee Hill and Yankee Landau at JM and the AM.
0: An die Scheinung der An die Scheinung der Liebe, Kondoide, deude, 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 Doide, 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 fai, doide, 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 doide,
1: I am with Yankee Hill and Yankee Landau together here on a Wednesday morning broadcast. It's America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program heard on listeners sponsored digital radio. Around the world web on AlchomSigl.com and on the Alchomsigl Network and of course on the beloved NSN
5: app.
1: It's on the background, our news from Israel coming up, 50th anniversary of the um Kippur War this year. And we'll uh, speak about it with our Dr. David Hertzberg coming up in the 8 o'clock hour this morning here at JM in the AM. Get his perspective on what was going on 50 years ago this week. Keep hearing some incredible stories of the Yom Kippur War. Pretty amazing. Galay Israel Army Radio, 2PM Newscast next. Bokir Tov from JM in the AM.
5: Galay Tzal, Miroshelema, Shosh 2, Shalom Rav, Baul Pan, Rani Yav Nai, Ima Shekorah Shav. Shabak hasaf teshni teror shepalestini Mijanin vahavim yisraeli ma'atsafon shepalala ba'akvona iranit lifugov asar benkvir ולבצע פיגועים. מדווח כתבנו הצבאי דרון קדוש.
3: התשתית שכללה שלושה פלסטינים מאזור ג'נין ושני ערבים ישראלים מאזור הצפון ניסתה ללא הצלחה לאסוף מודיעין על השר בן גביר ועל חבר הכנסת לשעבר יהודה גליק הם הוכוונו על ידי איראן באמצעות גורם שמתגורר בירדן והוביל לברכות המלאך. שני האזרחים הישראלים גויסו לבצע משימת שריפת רכבים בחיפה שהייתה מעין משימת מבחן מטעם האיר האחרונים הוגשו נגדם
5: כתבי אישום. בשר בנגבי רגיב ומסר אני מודה לאנשי שירות הביטחון הכללי ולאנשי כוחות הביטחון אשר הביאו לחשיפתה ולחידתה של חוליית המחבלים שהתכוונה להתנקש בחיי שר בישראל. להמשיך לפעול אלו מורה וביתר סט. ברגע המתיחות באזד עובר צהל תתלוף דניאל הגרי. הבהיר אצל אמירי יפגי, חמאס עומד מאחורי ההסלמה כל האופציות שלנו על השולחן. האירוע הזה הוא אירוע בהכוונה של חמאס. צהל לא יקבל מסרים של טרור על מנת לקבל משהו אזרחי. עכשיו, מה יולידי יום? האם הדבר הזה יכול להתפתח להסלמה רחבה? יכול להתפתח? הכל נמצא על השולחן. פועל זר כבן 30 נהרג בקריסת פיגומים באתר בנייה באשדוד. צוות מדה קבע את מוטו במקום לאחר שגופתו חולצה מתחת להריסות. בדיעה שמשרה כתבתינו, עיניו קרנר. הממשלה ישרה בצהריים את הצעת המחליטים שהוביל שר העלייה והקליטה אופיר סופר שתסייע לעולים להשתלב בשוקת התעסוקה. מטרת ההצעה היא להסיר חסמי רישוי ולעודד העסקת עולים במטרה להפחית את הבירוקרטיה שהם נתקלים בה במקצועות הרישוי. התוכנית כוללת טובה לאישור הממשלה בתחילת שנת 24. חודש לבחירות המקומיות ועדת הבחירות האזורית בתל אביב קבע כי תל אביב וראש העיר חולדאי רשאים להשתתף ולקדם את המחאה נגד החקיקה המשפטית ואף להשתמש במשאבים הציבוריים לשם כך. כתבנו לענייני פנים שהישראל מציין כי השופטת מיכל אגמון גונן שקיבלה את ההחלטה כתבה כי ניתן לקבל את טענת כי במסגרת החקיקה שיתקבלה וזו המוצעת עלולה לכפות שינויים מרחיק בנегод לאинтересה תושבים. באבriel תל אביב מגיעים רשמי על מומות המול בדרכי את תל אביבי ועומרים: אנחנו רואים בחומרה את הלימוד שוע על אקלפי אוהדי הקורצה. דבקה של לבצע תחקיר מכיף וניתן בנוסף גם למACHAS. יש בוש מינהל התליעות. זה חלפון סיפר. שוחחתי המשטרה, של המשטרה המורדים כדי לראות ממה היה ניתן להימנע. כתב בחדשות הספורטי יוסי ריס מזכיר כי אתמול נעצרו 96 עודי אפרל תל אביב ושני שוטרים נפצעו. ומזג האוויר התחממות נוספת. אלה החדשות שאורך רואי ולד.
2: Shenqing is a shiny flag.
0: zaken usva Raitikva raiti kvar ruhota zot ata ale katan mit noea
6: patuach
0: be atsmor Kach itra tzedak la deret etnisioni al tez al zelulai zekhut ma sheyesh li ki eshi amim Oi akol borei haoy v'yesh shad kashot akol Anitra, ah, 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 If it's not a problem, it's also a trial. Now, in the small, everything is Oh, so with you, the
6: way I see a coz he me.
0: Oxe hashemesh ela yam jogar out hedag bachar ishuzo. I'm
6: going to Anitra, <laughs>
2: Anitra,
1: J.M. and the A.M. with Avramo. It's Avram Fried. Avramo. Moshav Band before that with Come Back. You heard the Nigun" done by Yoni Stokar. That's brand new. J.M. and the A.M. on a Wednesday morning broadcast for this, the 27th day of September, day number 12. In the month of Tishrei, the brand new year is 5784. Tufshin Pei Dalad. Got a couple of days till we get to Erev Sukis. It's coming Friday. Is Erev Sukkis right here at J.M. and the A.M.? That's right, Erev Sukkot. We are playing some of the songs from uh, from the album Milchama Achrona, because today we are dedicating to the um, song, not just the songs, but we're dedicating to discussion about the 50th anniversary of the Yom um, Kippur War by Dr. David Hertzberg going to join us in our third hour this morning. To discuss all of that. Meanwhile, we're going through some of the amazing selections from uh, the album entitled Milchama Achrona that came out 50 years ago, right after the start of the Yom Kippur War. Some landmark selections on it, including Milchama Achrona, which I'm sure we'll do again later on this morning here at JM in the AM.
0: خمدات avodai, طاي ارض shemesh شمس رجام ارض شليم al مات We
1: J.M. in the A.M. as we play some of the songs from a landmark L.P., an album that came out 50 years ago entitled Milchama Ahronah, Songs of the Yom Kippur War, here at J.M. in the A.M. Just amazing. Really incredible. Uh, it is a Wednesday morning, and our Dr. David Hertzberg is going to join us coming up here at J.M. in the A.M. in the 8 o'clock hour. We'll talk about 50 years since the Yom Kippur War. Here's another one uh, from that album that I just absolutely love sheer hulo rock melin jam in the am uh, uh.
7: Ha-ser ve'acheshbon she'ain lo sof chayav lachlof <laughs> she. Aigmar, ulay odlo, yesh nitzchonot, yesh mapalot, achah shalom, talui b'chem, uchaychem, az shir,
1: In the AM sheer low that is the uh, selection that actually ends the uh Mohamaghona album it's the last song on it uh, we're talking about an album that came out 50 years ago at the time of the Yom Kippur War and uh, for many of you you may recall the cover Yoram Gaon being surrounded by troops entertaining them in the aftermath of the start of the war uh, just, uh, just amazing, amazing to think that it was 50 years ago and amazing to consider the incredible miracles that the one above has done for us as a people, as a nation. Just amazing. Ah, uh, um, Wednesday morning broadcast, JM in the AM. we get to explore a lot more regarding the, uh. Yom Kippur War coming up. Right, Dr. David Hertzberg is going to join us. In addition to, in addition to his presentations on a regular basis uh, for us, Israel at seventy-five every Tuesday at the nine a.m. And by the way, the new series is going to be about the Eichmann trial. Right after Yontif, right after Sukkot, his new series is going to be about the Eichmann trial. <coughs> Uh, but, in addition to that, he is a uh, he's a historian par excellence. and we get an opportunity to speak with him and discuss the um Kipper war and uh, what we need to know about it all these years later, fifty years ago is when the war took place. Most of the people listening right now, I assume we're not even alive when the war began. Hard to believe, huh. Uh, So that will all be coming up here at JM and the AM uh, at about 8.15 this morning, um, Eastern Time, here on the Malcolm Siegel Network. Well, I got the official word that tonight's dinner is our uh, amazing and incredibly delicious hot dogs from A&H. Yeah, you you know, you say to yourself, Yontif's right around the corner. The massive meals begin again on Friday night. For those of us in Chutzlairet, those massive meals go on for at least a couple of days. Even in Israel, I would bet that um, Cholomoed lends itself to some pretty massive and festive get-togethers. So you say to yourself, what could you have? That's a real meal. But, you know, you don't feel like you've eaten a 10-course dinner. Afterwards. And of course the answer is AH. Uh A and H knockwurst, A and H hot dogs, and all types of varieties. Um, every time anybody in the kosher community does any type of a taste test of the hot dogs that are available to our public, AH is always at the top. Sometimes number one, sometimes number two, but I am telling you, always at the tippy top of that list, and for good reason. Everything they make is absolutely delicious, and uh, those of you out there who haven't yet tried it, do the taste test yourself. You'll see exactly what I'm talking about. Uh, go to kosherdogs.net, order whatever you need, and take a 10% discount with promo code radio. And then you head into your stores before Yuntiv. Make sure you have all the A and H products you need. After all, there'll be people. Yeah, there may be some people barbecuing during Cholamoid, maybe on Yuntiv itself. Who knows? I got to check with Matis what the the grill situation is when the first day is Shabbos. I have no idea. I'm not a barbecue owner. (laughs) I have no idea what you can or can't do. <laughs> on the second day of of this time around. But there are plenty of people in this audience that have grilled up a storm during, uh, during Yontav, that I can tell you. But Cholamoid, certainly. So get ready. A&H is ready for you. All you've got to do is go to your store and load up. Try a A&H today. You'll be glad you did. And that is an understatement. Rabbi David Goldwasser's words, and here is Rabbi David Goldwasser with Morning Chizuk.
7: Good morning. We read in the Torah That Hashem caused us to dwell in Sukkos when we left Mitzrayim. The question is asked, why is it specifically when we left Mitzrayim that we needed to have the Sukkos? The Zarashimshin explains, it's in the same way that immediately after Yom Kippur, we begin to prepare for the mitzvah of the Sukkot. We take some measure to build the sukkah and then a couple of days later we actually fulfill the mitzvah of sukkos. In the special prayer that we say before entering the sukkah we say that if perhaps on Yom Kippur it was decreed that we should go into exile so we can fulfill that exile by going into our sukos and leaving our houses. In the same way when Hashem Yisbarak took us out from Mitzrayim, it could be that we were taken out a little bit early and we still needed to complete the requisite number of days and years in terms of our golus, our exile. Hashem said, go into the sukkos and in that way you will have a beautiful way of fulfilling the time that maybe you have to spend in exile. We see from this that Hashem always wants to make us meritorious, to give us the easiest possible beautiful life. As it says, Noam." that Hashem's ways are pleasant ways, shalom, and all the pathways are peaceful. There were Jews who so loved the mitzvah of Sukkah that even in the time of the Holocaust refused to eat even a crumb outside of the sukkah. The great Klosenberger Rebbe was once fearing Tish. He had a special celebration in a small sukkah in Sanz. There, people had crowded in just to see the Rebbe, just to hear the Klosenberger Rebbe's Torah, and to maybe get a little bit of the shrayim of the remnants of the Rebbe's food. There was one Yid who was half out of the sukkah, His head was out of the sukkah, and he took a little piece of the shrayim, of the special food from the Klosenberger Rebbe, and he was about to eat it. The Klosenberger Rebbe said, you're out of the sukkah. How can you eat that shrayim? He said, I want you to know that by us, eating out of the sukkah, even a mashahu, is like eating a mashahu on Pesach. Of chametz, eating the smallest bit of leaven on Pesach itself. This has been Rabbi David Goldwasser, bringing you morning chizuk. Have a nice day.
0: Oleynu koa lobosom, besim hoa go do la godoi do la ya ko podois, oleynu koa lobosom. Oi the pe zureynu, mi bein hagoi, yunne futse seynu kaneis, mi ya ke Ya yep. can say uh Mahashem's heart in love, he said, May For the air, slow as they do. Hora come on, who yok him, you're looking low and loop, and so does love with our noy poles. Hora come who yok him, you So, Katovi, Yelanufoles, for Rachamon who yoke in your king, Lord, and so Hanoi Foles, for Rachamon who yoke in your king, Lord, and Hanoi
1: J.M. in the AM, it's called the Sukkis medley from the Welcome Back Yom Tov album here at J.M. in the AM. Oh, before that, the... Uh... Oh, one second. There we go. Before that, the uh, Jep selection called Sukka. Here at JM in the AM, ah, Wednesday morning broadcast on this twenty seventh of September, day number twelve in the month of Tishrei. The brand new year is five seven eight four. If you missed our conversation last week, with by David Hebbert. It's coming up during JM Rewind this morning, starting at nine a.m. Eastern Time. I cannot highly recommend it enough. If you want to know all the trivia you need to know regarding the brand new year, make sure to be tuned in to a JM Rewind at 9 a.m. this morning. The Um War happened 50 years ago. We're going to explore that with our Dr. David Hertzberg at 8.15 Eastern Time, just about 25 minutes from now. Here at JM in the AM. Do we have another one queued up? We have another selection queued up. From the songs of the Umkipper War album. And I thank those listeners who are expressing their appreciation for it. This is a song entitled, um, Al Shloshapish E Damesek. Here it is at Ashivam.
2: <speaking in the language>
0: <speaking in the language> Al Avot be'talit Khalid Al Achim bet Sari Achsheltank Al Re Aisha Amru Atem Lota Avru Can Golan (their) אש לוחפי שידם alma Lo shapish eda mesekalar ba elo shehistir amru atem Avru, k'angolani golani lohem atem Allo Ashiva. A shlosha bishajda, messekalarba, allo ashiva. A shlosha bishayda, messekalarba, allo ashiva. Al shlosha, harbigti shalom la
4: shal hamala ma va re The arkish po et ko Al hamalah <laughs> u vera chlora clim where cord et kol ve yar hausat sedafim afi malchof ozen kshuvah Vatav Hasharat Et Mikzav HaPikudah
8: hör man var ich lobe
1: the Maccabees in Ma'avarech. Before that, another one of the uh, classic selections from the album Milchama Akrona that came out in the commemoration of the, of the Yom Kippur War 50 years ago. Um, Al Shloshapish Eid Damesek is the name of that one. And we'll do more in the 8 o'clock hour especially since we're a few minutes away from discussing the 50th anniversary of the Yom Kippur War. That'll be coming up here at JM in the AM. Hard to believe that um, a large percentage of those tuned in were not even alive during the uh, start of the Yom Kippur War. Just to show us how long ago it is, it's it's hard to put it into context sometimes. Especially for those of us who remember that moment when the news started to spread throughout the synagogue on Yom Kippur. And um, anyway, we have more to discuss about all this. We'll do it coming up. Here at JMM. It's 8 o'clock in the morning, here on a um, Wednesday morning broadcast, two days away from Sukkis. That's right, Erev Sukkis is this coming Friday. Hope you have your Luluvan and Esrug. If not, you certainly still have time to get. Uh, hope your is up. If not, still have time to build. And I hope you're ready for a festive, wonderful, and incredible Chag. This is America's one and only Jew- uh, Jewish moments in the morning radio program. Heard on listener-sponsored digital radio. Around the World Web at AlchemSegal.com, on the AlchemSegal Network, and, of course, on the beloved NSNF.
0: We shan't a man we We sha got loch, got loch We shan't a man we shan't We got We 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 man called the rain, who is man Kulan <laughs> kedo Cain, Codouchim, Cain, Codouchim, Cain, Codouchim, Cain, Codouchim, Cain, Codouchim, Ba Soin could do shim, soin could do shim, soin could do shim, Raya, soin, Raya, soin, Raya, soin, could do shim, soin, could do shim, Raya, Buba, Buba, Buba. Bubala, baba, bubala, baba, 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 So is in Jerusalem everybody builds their soccer walls. children decorate cutouts and pictures large and small palm branches let a bit of light in when it's dark they even let the night in temporary dwellings for Soul comes down from heaven and goes into the body of a baby. And every footstep that it takes is judged with yes or no, or maybe. Love and faith lets a bit of light in. It's the life we find that's so exciting. Temporary dwelling we
1: Soul Farm, Sukkis in Jerusalem. Oh, Rabbi Dr. David Hertzberg would uh, tell us that Sukkis in Jerusalem is going to be very different this year than it was 50 years ago. Someone, my late brother was in Israel, was in Yushalayim during the Yom Kippur War in 1973. And someone called me yesterday to tell me a story that happened during Sukkis in Jerusalem with him and my brother and another friend. Related to the war, a story I won't tell now, it's uh, frankly a very painful one. It has to do with some of the Israeli soldiers who were injured in the early part of the war. Um, but that connection of Sukkot in Jerusalem, I remember the late uh, great Mayor Weingarten, I'm so glad I can mention him during this segment and remember him during this segment. I remember him describing how his family left after Yom Kippur to go to Israel for Sukkot while so many people were doing the exact opposite. Understandably, not a criticism. Some were leaving Israel at that time, and he remembers that the uh, the airplane, the pilot had to turn off all lights inside and outside the airplane in order to land. And they land under the co- they landed in Israel under the cover of darkness. It was the middle of a war, literally. <laughs> they were talking about they left Mitzvah Kippur from the United States, and then I remember the. Um, the Israeli soldier who uh, was in the United States for Yom Kippur, who we met at—I believe we met him up at Kutcher's, it was one of the hotels, one of the years—and he told us how um, they quote unquote ran to the airport. What what that means, I I never quite understood. I didn't want to accuse anybody of violating Yom Kippur, God forbid, but it sounded like there was a uh, a tremendous a tremendous urgency to get to the airport. And those who were eligible to serve in the Israeli army ran to Kennedy Airport as soon as they could, let's put it that way, as soon as they could, and boarded a plane that night to head to Israel. And this is, of course, in addition to so many other aspects of this story, which we'll get to uh, here at JM and the AM. Uh, before Soul Farm, you heard Lipa, you heard Shal the brand new one with Kulam, Hoshana done by Ari Goldwag and Kobe Brummer. That's brand new here at JM and the AM. Rabbi Dr. David Hertzberg is the director of the William S. Levine Family Shoah Institute at the Yeshiva of Flapush. He has conducted for us, and we're so grateful, a brilliant Israel at 75 series about the Yom Kippur War, which has reached its conclusion. He'll, In fact, right after Sukkot, he's going to be tackling topics like... Um, like the Eichmann Trial, the Munich Olympics, uh, Entebbe, et cetera, et cetera, as he continues to explore the last 75 years of Jewish history, which are the first 75 years of the modern state of Israel. So that'll continue for us here at uh, the Nachum Siegel Network, which we are very grateful about. And uh, he's here this morning, literally, to help us remember what was happening 50 years ago this week. Rabbi Dr. David Hertzberg, a Gemara Tov to you, and welcome back to JM in the AM.
9: Thank you so much, Nachum. A pleasure to be here. Good to with You as well.
1: I remember my brother telling us that um, he knew it was a serious situation when they looked out the window from the Beit Midrash where they were davening. And he saw a couple of guys with yarmulkes and Talasim and Kitlach getting out of a couple of Volkswagens that had pulled up literally in the middle of Yom Kippur day. And obviously some of the people that he was davening with were called and, uh, and were recruited immediately to get to where they needed to get to. And I'm sure there's a million stories like that about the urgency and the immediacy of what happened on Yom Kippur and this incredible, this incredible pairing. Of, of davening on the holiest day of the year, those of us who experienced it this past Monday, it's not foreign to us, we just had it, so we know what that's like, to be in the throes of this great spiritual, uplifting experience, and then be thrown into the most basic situation of survival. And not neglecting, but obviously setting aside for a moment, you know, the, the, the uh the main purpose of the day and and uh, shoring up Israel's defenses as soon as possible, as quickly as possible, and as best as possible. And I'm sure you've heard millions of these stories over the years.
9: Yeah, that first day uh, you know, and, and and when you speak to people who are new that they're all over the country. The stories of when they found out about the war, when they started seeing the trucks show up and mi uh, their relatives um, you know fathers, grandfathers, sons, grandsons, all going at the same time but the one of the many fascinating interesting things where even in the tremendous tragedies of those first few days, one of the almost nisim as a Kalani likes to explain is that. The Arabs made a fundamental mistake by attacking Yom Kippur. Had they attacked on Rosh Hashanah, everybody would have been all over the country. The roads would have been uh, very, very crowded. The fact on Yom Kippur actually made the Giyush, the mobilization, uh, go faster. And the roads were empty so that the soldiers could get to where they needed to go. And a key part of the Syrian war plan, especially in the Golan Heights, was that it would take uh, over 24 hours for the Israelis to mobilize and start getting the reserves there, and in fact, they started the reserve start showing up six, seven, eight hours before that, which really made the difference. So the fact that it happened on Yom Kippur, uh, despite the, the the pain of that, actually enabled the mobilization and enabled the yishuvah to occur. Uh,
1: this is <laughs> this is. A complete revelation for me. I mean, this is actually unbelievable. I had never heard a positive spin, a positive aspect of the war starting on Yom Kippur. But as you're saying it, I'm saying to myself, "Wow, that's so logical. That's so you know." It, it, I mean, defense. You know, as as any general will tell you, is all about you know space and opportunity and you know speed, obviously. And what you just described increased the speed and increased the ability for Israel to to mount to mount their defense and to and to you know to defend the state of Israel and i i never considered that and
9: and and avigdor makes this point multiple times you know almost every time he speaks he'll he'll make this point about the Giyus happening on yom kippur
1: and it's funny you know i remember my father i mean d- I'm I'm a little kid and I'm in shul and someone walks into shul. This probably happened to everybody in the United States because of the time difference. Someone walks into shul toward the end of Shacharis or around Laning and you know says Israel was attacked. And of course, I'm a little kid. I don't quite know what that means, but you know certainly wasn't happy to hear about it. And then, of course, during the I assume it was either during the Yisker speech or the speech before Nigela. My father, you know, actually mentions the news of the day as it spreads and and you know information is coming out. And that night, I'll never forget this, that night we're at our kitchen table breaking the fast. We make Havdalah and we're breaking the fast, and obviously the radio's on because every Jewish home in the world had their radio on 50 years ago that night. And my father says they've been planning this for six years, meaning, of course, that since the Six-Day War ended, the enemy had planned to attack Israel and to um, you know exact revenge for what happened during the Six-Day War. And I- I'm saying to myself that, that the, the, the main part of this entire six-year plan has got to be we've got to attack on Yom Kippur when we must take their most vulnerable day and mount this attack. That's why this 50-year mentality, which you've just broken for me, <laughs> that, that you know how dare they attack on Yom Kippur when we are at our, our weakest, so to speak. You, you just made the argument, courtesy of the general, that there was an advantage to it. It's pretty remarkable
9: right not so, you know they attacked on that day among other reasons why they picked that day as well also having to do with the uh, the tides of the of the suez canal but of course they thought in terms of the uh, major psychological attack it would be the attack on yom kippur they weren't thinking in terms of the the uh, unseen advantage as opposed to having attacked a few days earlier on rosh hashanah which would have made a catastrophic difference
1: can you describe, because I, as you heard, I, you know, I know stories about that sukkahs. I mean, I was told a story yesterday about that sukkahs where somebody remembers being on a bus in Yerushalayim, Erev Sukkot, and the, the radio's on, like on every bus in Israel even until today, and the driver stops the bus literally in the middle of town and says everybody off because he had just gotten this. This is how they used to communicate with the reservists through the actual radio broadcast who code with the actual radio broadcast. He had just been called up and he had no choice. He had to run to go to his unit. So, I mean, there are a million stories, obviously, in the first days of the war. Can you give us an overview of Yom Kippur till Sukkot? What those first four or five days were like?
9: So the first few days, right after it, with Yom Kippur, and the first few days afterwards are known as the Battle of Containment. Um, the first 36 hours in the Golan is when Moshe Dayan says his infamous state of uh, idea of korban Chlishi. He thought the country was going to chas fall apart. Till uh, so it's and that Sunday, October seventh, really is one of the initial turning points.
1: Day after Yom with Kippur
9: the day of the Yom Kippur arrived. By that Tuesday, when you have the battle of the Valley of Te'ezamek Abacha up in the northern part of the Golan, that really is one of the turning points in terms of the stabilization of the battle in the Golan. And then two days later, the Israelis are able to go on a counter-offensive, starting to go inside this area. But those first few days, especially in the Golan, that was the most frightening part where people really felt this This is it. And and you talk about Nisim, the, on, on that first day, the Syrians there was, were in the southern part of the Golan. They, there was nothing stopping them. The only thing that would stop them was fear itself and the Kaddish Baruch there was There was not a single Israeli tank there to stop them when they had captured the areas of Tel Saki and all those amaz- amazing stories, other than literally Nisim and Nif La'ot that occurred at that point. And what That's of, up north. It,
1: one of the other Nisim is that Jordan was not in the war.
9: Right. Jordan, Jordan, King Hussein actually... Uh, on September 25th, meet secretly with the golden mayor, warning that something's going to happen. And this is a major controversy, why the Israeli intelligence doesn't really give um, more credence to this. Right. right. So Jordan, correct. It, 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 it does, and that's a major, major thing that Jordan does going to war Towards the end, or it, it, they do send a token force. In the uh, in the Golan, seemingly more that Hussein needed to show the Arabs that I'm with you, even though he didn't really want to commit too much, and there were back channel discussions saying that don't take it out on us too much. I have to do this.
1: So essentially, that, yes. So essentially, it's it's Syria, Lebanon, and Egypt, right? Essentially, it's a three front. It's, it's,
9: it's essentially Syria and Egypt. Those are your two. Your two main forces, and
1: and, and what is and, and and it seems to me that most of the stories that come out about the terrible injuries and, and unfortunately the the uh, the soldiers that were taken from us uh, during those days, it seems like most of that was happening up north, correct?
9: No, there were a lot of casualties in the in the south as well. The first day, the, they, they called the uh, October 8th, the third day of the war, the blackest day in the history of the Israeli army, where they try to attack uh, the, the, seri- the Egyptian tanks that are in the Sinai Desert. And we suffered tremendous, tremendous casualties, not so much from the Egyptian tanks, but from the infantrymen with the Sagar anti tank yeah. missiles, that they were the, these infantry guys that were just shooting it. And we lost uh, the first. Because those- Israel
1: did not have the defense equipment to deal with that.
9: Right, and this actually is one of the major intelligence failures that Israel knew. The, the upper Israeli leadership knew about the Sagra missiles as well as the SAM anti aircraft missiles and didn't develop enough of a doctrine against it. To the extent that after a few days of the war, the Israeli tanks were able to counter the Sagra missiles, was by because the hapashim, the Chayelim Shutim, the soldiers on the field, came up with their own ideas how to combat it. Nothing from above. It was uh, privates, corporals, and sergeants who figured this out how to zigzag and create sandstorms so that the egyptian infantrymen who were firing the saga missiles wouldn't be able to track the
1: tanks all right so forget the way i described it we have a very serious two-front war two to three days into the war as you said on the syrian border up north and of course the egyptian border uh in the south i guess essentially most of the soldiers were in the sinai desert if they were in the south right
9: right they were they were there and uh and the the handling of the South was much more controversial in the command the command structure there, and also many of the stories that people read about the uh, the colorful stories of the war come from the South because you had Ariel Sharon there, right. and you know wherever Sharon is, you have big stories.
1: <laughs> Dr. David Hertzberg's with us. It's fifty years after the Yom Kippur War, and literally because Yom Kippur uh, was two days ago, and we're talking about days two and three of the war right now. We're talking about fifty years ago today. Today, what life was like in Israel. So uh, so now, you know, Sukkot does start as a holiday in the middle of the first week of this very serious war. Uh, I, I mean, ha- can and, and again, you know, we're, we're asking you more from a military and a historical perspective about the war, but I, I'd have to imagine that you've come across either comments or descriptions over the years of what the holiday was like um, in war conditions throughout Israel. Is there a way for you to tell us what, how Sukkis started 50 years ago?
9: So there are so many fascinating stories about Sukkis during the time. You, you have one story that uh, there's a wonderful safer in Hebrew by uh, Shalom Verstyle who was uh, uh, learning in Yishalavim at the time, and he wrote his book about the story. So he has a story there, where, and he was in the Sinai, his tank unit, where uh, in, in, uh, I, even at the beginning of so because right around there, the uh, Colonel uh, Bren, who was later become a, a, a big general, they're ordering resupplies, and they tell him over the radio that okay, we need X number of shells for the tanks, and X number of machine gun bullets, and X number of sets of Lulav and Estherogim. And the Colonel's going, "What are you talking about, Lulav and Estherogim?" And the soldiers wouldn't back down. And the next thing you know, you hear over the military radio, "We need X in the Hebrew, obviously, we need X number of." Missiles, X number of shells, and X number of sets of Lulavim and Esrogim. And that's what was on many of these soldiers' minds. And in fact, even the Chilonim, the irreligious soldiers, would line up to bench Lulavim and Esrog at that point in time. Even, by the way, Golda Meir, who was so not religious that in the beginning of the war, when she was about to speak for the Knesset, somebody said to her, use the words that we're going to win, Bezrat Hashem. And she turns to the people and says, I can't say the words Bezrat Hashem because of me, who's such an uh, irreligious person, if I use the word Bezrat Hashem, the country's gonna go into panic and say, oh my God, if Golda Meir found God, we're really in We're really, we're, <laughs> hor- we're hor- really in there. Bex- <laughs> <laughs> we're really, exactly. A few days later, in Cholom Ha'itzukah, she's, she's up in the Golan with Moshe Daigan being followed by reporters, and she sees in a half truck that they have a mobile sukkah, 15 yeshiva boys, in the davening with in the Lulavim Neserogim in this heft. Now understand something, the soldiers in the Golan in the middle of the war, they had a few hours off to resupply, to refuel and things like that, and the, the haparah in a, a couple of minutes of sleep. And they're taking of their time to, uh, to daven. And she's so mesmerized by this scene, she walks away from the reporters goes to these soldiers. They don't even notice her, that she's there. She has to wait for them to finish halal, and then they turn to her, and she's a, a Chag Sameach. So she even, at that point, is drawn to these soldiers that are davening in the middle of the Golan Heights. And you see crazy stories like this. I, I was just reading the other day, a secular guy who's writing It was, you know, now a man in his 70s, he's writing, he's in the middle of the Golan somewhere a few days into the war, uh, not the front front lines, but Pretty good. And suddenly he sees a bunch of Chabad guys in their black hats and jackets coming with love and mesrogim to find people to, to bench. And he's looking at this scene and he's saying they have no armor and they have such bitachon that they're going around trying to get chayalim to bench Lula of Erisrog.
1: Unbelievable. Some people discover God when they're faced with tough tough situations, huh?
9: <laughs> I'll tell you the craziest story that I, that I read. Mordecai Pirona was the Rav of Tavat at the time. So he had a Keshe with the Lubavitcher Rebbe. And the Rebbe would send him some tapes in the middle of the war of Chizuk. He said a couple of times, Moshe Dayan came with him to listen to tapes of the Rebbe in the middle of the war to get Chizuk. Unbelievable. The, the, Moshe Dayan, the, the Arch Hiloni, was sitting with the, the chief rabbi and uh, listening to the rib.
1: Unbelievable. Rabbi Dr. David Hertzberg's with us. It's 50 years since the Yom Kippur War. Also, one of the iconic photos of, um, of soldiers in service. And I mean in service to the Jewish people defending the state of Israel and in service to God is, of course, the soldier who is benching Lula Van Esrog or holding the Luluvan Esrog, uh, an iconic photo, which I'm assuming was from the war, right? I would assume that. I'm sure you know which one I'm talking about. It was, yeah, actually, it, it was actually on the cover of a Kalbach album, if I'm not mistaken.
9: So it's, it's interesting you mentioned Karbach because when you were opening and saying about people who were leaving and people who were coming. Right. So there's a story. I think it's in the book Holy Brother right. where there was a young person who was trying to get out. And a airport was, was crazy. And she was trying to get out. And she notices – this must be the day after Yom Kippur. And she notices Shlomo Karabakh in the airport. So she, she knew Shlomo. Uh, and she runs over and she goes, he has protection to get me on the, get me on a plane. She runs over to Shlomo Karbach and she says to him, could you help get me on a plane to get out and move with you. And he looks at her and she says, I I think you're a little confused. I'm not leaving. I'm just arriving.
1: I just got here.
9: Wow. I just got to work with the troops. Wow.
1: Yeah. A lot of people ran to Israel, a lot of people left. Not a criticism, obviously. Everyone has to make their own decision, but those who did run in order to be there at that time, it is, uh, it's simply remarkable. All right, Dr. David Hertzberg is with us. All right, so now there's really two other things we got to get to this morning. Um, the first is, you know, when does this difficult period End. And is it myth or fact that without the United States coming out of the difficult period, which would, would have been very, very difficult? So let's start first with the timeline. Uh, what you describe—the difficulties of the second, third, fourth day—and obviously what's going on during Sukkot. How long does that last?
9: So the up north in the Golan, the situation stabilizes by the beginning of the beginning of Sukkot stabilizes. There's still many casuals and much heavy fighting, but in terms of the feared existential threat to the country, it stabilizes. In the South it takes a little bit longer and there's a very important meeting that's occurring, I believe, October eleventh or so, a cabinet eleventh or twelfth, a cabinet meeting where they're deciding whether or not to ask for a ceasefire and whether or not to make a very dangerous crossing of the canal at that point to Put them in a better position to ask for the ceasefire in terms of negotiating negotiations. Even though at that point there were still two Egyptian divisions on the uh, uh, on the Egyptian side of the canal. In the middle of the meeting, Tzvi head of the Mossad, gets called out. He gets a piece of intelligence information that the Arabs, because cause Assad was doing so badly up north, he pressured Sadat. He got to do something, and they get a piece of information that that. Um, Sadat is going to take cross those divisions, of uh, have those divisions cross the canal, and go out of the umbrella of the uh, SAM missiles. At that point, he said, let's wait for this to happen. It's a battle that we are better at. October 14th, Sadat attacks. Over 200 Egyptian tanks are destroyed, and that's a major turning point in the Sinai leading up to the crossing of the canal, the 15th, 16th, but still some very, very... Bloody battles at the uh, China at the Chinese uh, farm, um, and the crossing, and and really till the end of till the end of the war.
1: And no American intervention yet.
9: So the American intervention actually occurs, you know, with the, with the you know once the Soviets start re, uh, resupplying the Arabs in the uh, the Americans start their airlift around this time as well, October sixteenth, October seventeenth, starting the uh, starting the airlift when finally Nixon gives the order. Um, send everything you got now it's a big machloket uh debate how much the airlift helped it definitely helped morale wise and it definitely helped to resupply the israelis and made a big difference as the war went on uh whether or not at the moment it started the israelis were very low on ammunition in their stores or not is a question is a matter of debate but it's certainly uh helped in terms of the morale, and it helped one of the results of the war was a greater Israeli dependence or reliance on on America.
1: And uh, those who would then claim that Nixon saved Israel, that might be a stretch
9: in in the, you know in the sense that in the sense that who who are Kaddish Baruch Baruch's agents so did america definitely help absolutely uh, nixon going through watergate and the, the famous saturday night massacre when he fires all his uh, right. uh his his attorney general at that time it definitely makes a difference in moving forward and also makes a difference to the to the i was understanding that now uh, america is is going to be supplying supplying Israel but so also but,
1: but also I don't want to I don't want to neglect what you brought up in terms of the cold war aspect of this once they saw the soviets take a strong interest in helping the enemy the united states may have decided the white house may have decided that they have got to make a move they've got to you know they've got to play their hand in this game and show that they have a you know that they have skin in the game and they have a side that they're that they're helping out uh, th- Absolutely. And, and the
9: last thing the United States wanted is for Israel to lose using Western weapons to the Arabs who were using Soviet weapons. Right. And, and in the context of the Cold War, that was a big issue.
1: Right. Wow. Um, and also there was a mentality. I don't know if the mentality was like this in Israel. And frankly, I was a little kid, so I don't know the mentality may have just been among, you know, elementary school children uh, in the United States. But there was a mentality that because... You know, we had not that I remember it, but we had just you know experienced the Six Day War such a short time ago. The mentality was, all right, we need a few days, and you know, and we'll be able we'll be able to defend Israel and knock off the enemy. And as the days go by, it becomes obvious that it's not going to be as easy, so to speak, or as miraculous, or whatever word you want to use, as the Six Day War was. What was was that draining on the Israeli people? Was this even though it was not you know months long, thank God. Was it was it very difficult coming off such a major victory and now you, you know getting right back so to speak it's only six years getting right back into the throes of war and suffering uh the way the way the Israeli people were suffering at the beginning of the war
9: absolutely and and one of the the major issues going into the one the mindset was that people felt that if there'd be another war when there would be another war it would be day seven of the six-day war and then the war starts, and it 's not day seven the arabs all, all the all their predispositions and, and biases that the Arabs are not good fighters and soldiers were all day one uh, jettisoned from from this mindset and that's one of the reasons that despite the fact that the Israeli army has wins a major victory and a major turnaround, people focus on the beginning and the fact that that they lost, you know. Right. We were lied to. Right. we were, and yes, yeah, so it true. it certainly wasn't day seven of the six day war.
1: Right. No, I get that. It's a but the, you just made such an important point. We really do focus a lot in the last fifty years about those very difficult first few days, and and we neglect sometimes to recognize the the miracles that God did and some of the things that uh, the Israeli army was able to do in order to stabilize things, as you described before, and. uh you know, ten days into the war, which is now getting toward the end of the holiday of Sukkot, is there an official ceasefire? You mentioned the the ceasefire attempt early on, but when does the ceasefire become much ce- more realistic?
9: So, so the ce- the the ceasefire, the the second one, which actually kicks in very, you know, before we almost ended the nuclear war with uh, the Soviet Union over misunderstood or miswritten letters from Brezhnev to uh, Nixon. The actual ceasefire starts around October 24th, 25th. But with that said, especially in the North, there's still another war of attrition. I think, you know, when we talk about the casualties, say over 2,600 men were killed in the war, over 400 of them were killed after the war stops. In the war of attrition for the next four or five months, especially up north in the Gulf. In the south, after the meetings in November at kilometer 101, it stabilizes Pakhota Yoter. But Assad for another three, four months. There's heavy fighting and, and hundreds of casualties up north in the Golan Heights, yeah, and, and we sometimes forget how terrible the situation it was still there.
1: And I remember this as a kid that there was an official ceasefire, but you know we were instructed by our parents, our teachers, etc., uh, that the you know the prayers have to continue on a very serious basis, and it was for months because, as you just described, it was it was just ongoing, and it just continued. And I, and I think you know, speak about attrition. I think as time went by, finally at some point uh, in nineteen. 19- Seventy-four, meaning a few months after the war, finally, the worldwide Jewish community, you know, acknowledged and understood that finally things were at peace, so to speak.
9: Relatively speaking. Right. It went on so long on the African side, which which is is what the soldiers in Egypt referred to as Egypt and Africa. They actually, in the village town city, Fayyad, whatever you call it, however you pronounce it exactly, they had a yeshiva they called Yeshiva Goshen. They actually had the semeder set up in yeshiva and shirim for the soldiers who were there. Uh, many different Rosh yeshiva came down to give shirim and, and, and rabbanim for the four or five months that. And they actually picked the mesekhet that they were learning there. The soldiers, the time off, they were there for so many months. And that la- that lasted
1: till around what Purim time? Around Pesach time.
9: Around wow. around around Pesach time. Chanukah, they were still, uh, you know, when they said the uh, the brachot on the Hanukkah, you know, they had about the nisim. They had a lot in mind, not just, you know. The Basmana that part of the Bracha was very real to the in making the Brachas at that point.
1: That's an understatement. And by Pesach 1974, one could say that the, that the war had concluded at that point.
9: Right. Most of the soldiers are released. The reserves are back home at at that point. However, the suffering of the soldiers who were injured uh, continued. They were still working on the, you know, nearly a thousand. The Agunot had to be, uh, you know, to be mocked to them. Reverend the Yosef had to debate the din for that. And uh, there's a video going around. Uh, on YouTube, uh, discussing as an interview with his son, Rav David Yosef, who says, "Every night when my father was working on it, that we would hear him in bed at night crying on all these cases. One you know, but he was imagine. openly able to be martyred. Close to a thousand uh, women that they identified that their that their husbands had been killed, and they were able to remarry. But it took him a, 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 an insane amount of time, and and the pain of the rabbanim who were working on all these on all these tragic issues.
1: Unbelievable." or by Dr. David Hertzberg's with us, 50 years since the Um Kippur War. Um... There are, I mean, so much has been written about all the wars, of course. In the Six Day War, there are certain things we could point to—radio broadcasts that went Israel's way, that the other side was, you know, um, uh, confused about—and and certainly uh, the attack on the on the Egyptian air force. I mean, there there were certain specific episodes that anybody involved felt was really, uh, you know, moving with the hand of God. Obviously, all this was moving with the hand of God, but there were certain things that were so obvious. Give me one or two from the Yom Kippur War where it, it was so miraculous what happened and so against the Teva, against the nature of of military um, uh, battle that one has to acknowledge the miracle from above.
9: So you have to say even like the first few days in the, in the Golan, the tell Saki, famous story. So the it's a group of about 25 soldiers or so. In that area now, under the command of a 20-year-old or so, uh, Menachem An- Anzbacher, who was a Dati soldier, and while they're hiding from the and the Syrians have taken over everything, they're in this really, really small, small uh, bunker. Uh, you can ask your brother Yigal; we were there in, uh, in in the summer to see how small it was. Right. And two Syrian soldiers back in uh, to hide from the sh- the the, sh- the shelling, and they're literally a few feet away from these 25 Israeli soldiers, and they have grenades at the Israelis because they figured, okay, this is it. And the Syrian soldiers don't turn their backs. They don't hear even the breathing of the guys behind them. And after the shelling stops, they leave. And it was just low human how that happened that they, they mama felt is going to be their customer's last stand. And then they walk out. The, uh, and then part of that is that the, they had these grenades, and, and, and Menachem Ansbach, who writes in the book, he couldn't find the pin to put back in because it was dark, he's trying to put the pin, he, there is no pin, but he had his kipas suga in his pocket, so he <laughs> takes out one of the clips, and he ends up using the clip from the kipas suga to put it in the grenade as the pin.
1: How, uh, that, that bunker held 25 soldiers, comfortably would have held how many people? Three. Unbelievable.
9: And there's stuff to The original bunker that, that, that you can visit today, maybe three, and, not, and even those three wasn't so comfortable. You know, it, it and, and it's just, you know, you look at it and you see it. And that's why it's so important to see these places or, or you go up to the Amatabha and you see that Kalani's brigade, you had, he had what 10 tanks left that last day, he was saying, and several hundred Syrian tanks are coming to them, how how they're able to hold them off. And he said, he never diving so hard in his life. You know, just let me get to those ramparts before the Syrian tanks do, because if I don't, they are going to be able to go into, you know, to the, go off the Golan into uh, the, the canarid area and the Galil. You know, came, came down to seconds. Yeah, literally came, came down, down to seconds. Unbelievable. And you hear, and then you hear these stories, and one of those powerful stories, and a lot of them being written and and. You know, first of all, there's a relatively new, a new book that came out by Uri Kaufman on the right. Yom Kippur, War. excellent, excellent book. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that, yeah, a lot of things Shlomo put out, Hamayan there, with many, many stories. And one of the stories that like really like blew me away. One of the guys, he was one of the Hesderniks who was sent up to the Golan to help lead the uh, dominating and uh, they're trapped the first two days or so. In a bunker, and his parents know nothing what's really, you know. My parents what were going through a gehenna of, of what's going on with me, if I'm dead, if I'm in prison, this, that, the other thing. And finally, we're rescued, and I come back, and I, I get home, I get to the door, and they open up, and my parents give me the biggest hug. He said, like, Yako finding that Yosef's alive, that hug. And he goes, just so powerful, my friends are going through. He goes, and I, I guess he takes a shower and he says, You know what? I'm going to sleep for a few hours and I'm going to join my tank unit to tomorrow in the Sinai, the continued fight. And my father, now this is a father who thought his son was dead, gave him the biggest hug in the world. Then he comes to his son as his son said, Let me take a nap for a couple of hours. He goes to his son, You can't nap now. Yesh Milchama, get to your unit right now. And he said, My father was an Akita fuck. He said he just came, he said the country's under threat. You can't be napping now. You know, that level of glure, not just of the soldiers, but of the parents and, and the spouses of, you know, it's, 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 it's slow yuman, that 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 glure, the, and Rav Cook writes, Al-Qadish Baruchel gives us the, the extra gavura to go along with that physical glory, He gives us that spiritual gavura to do these things. And that just that story just blew me away.
1: You know, um, I, I mentioned, uh, I'm sure you heard me mention at the top of this, that uh, I was privileged to meet, I mean, thank God that I, that I had this encounter, to meet somebody, an Orthodox Jew, who was in the United States um, for that Yom Kippur. And he described what the airport was like at JFK that night. Uh, because so many who were able to, you know, serve in the Israeli army, who were required to serve in the Israeli army, ran from here to there. And, uh, you know, again, I don't want to, uh, it's it, 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 the spirit you just described, the gvurah that you just described was really, you know, on different levels, obviously. Uh, but uh, was felt by Jews around the world. And if there was a, a way, you know, people, there were many people who felt there's a way that they can help, they're going to help. And that could have been raising money. I remember there were a lot of Israel emergency funds at that time. I remember this as a kid. It could have been raising money. It could have been actually going to Israel. Could have been, uh, you know, d- doing um, whatever people could do in Washington at that time to lobby Congress and the White House. It just seemed like there was a complete mobilization of worldwide jury in whatever role they could have because of this challenge that was put forth. Um,
9: Sadat, so, so, I, I believe Sadat said that the Jewish community Raised more money in that time of the war for Israel Than all the Arab countries put together Gave Egypt in five years to help right. fight
1: I believe that, that's for sure
9: um,
1: Rabbi Dr. David Hertzberg directs the Holocaust uh, Shoah Institute um, At the Yeshiva Flapush He's director of the William S. Levine Family Shoah Institute At the Yeshiva Flabush. It must be interesting to you uh, I mean, I'm sure you've thought of this as you, you know, have become an expert in modern Jewish history and has spent so much time on one of the darkest periods of of uh, modern Jewish history and has spent so much time on one of the greatest victorious periods in modern Jewish history, it must baffle you sometimes... That even though obviously God is always with us, and there are plenty of stories from the Shoah where we can certainly acknowledge that God is always with us no matter what the situation. But we know what the fate was of so many at that period of time, and we know what the fate was of the majority of Jews living in Israel during this time of the Kippur War. Thank God, you know, <laughs> the 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 Jews of Israel, thank God, were able to continue. Obviously, there were casualties, but you know what I mean. And we were able to get to this point. It must be an interesting dichotomy. For you, as you explore both those eras,
9: yes, it's it's you know you, you have to have. A certain mindset and headspace when you're studying it and reading it and more importantly I would say after the research part is uh the reflection period. Now fortunately I spend a lot of time in traffic on the Bell Parkway going back and <laughs> forth to work so I have time to reflect. But I think that that, that time period needed to process, reflect, to think things through the questions, the approaches is is, is critically important. Um but to try to understand the, 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 the Yad Hashem, the, the history, the decisions made by people at the time, and, and the stories of Geburon. And, and even, even the people, you know, you have Chaim Sabbat, Chaim Sabata writes in his Sefer that he was in a tank, three from guys from yeshiva and a total atheist. And the atheist was the tank commander. And the tank commander, they had one night where they had four hours of sleep. Make a long story short, the tank commander lets the other three, the three young guys, sleep it off. And he takes the entire shift for four hours, which he wasn't supposed to do. And they were, like, amazed. And he said, I, I just felt too bad for you guys. You needed your sleep. And Chaim Sabah writes at that point, when I saw this level of achtas, at the shil guy had vachmanes on three yeshiva boys, I said, I knew we were going to win. Amazing. And At that point, we were going we to win this war.
1: Amazing. Let's focus on the unity, uh, especially coming off of Yom Kippur, which in some places in Israel was a difficult Yom Kippur. Uh, let's focus on the unity. Uh, Rabbi Dr. David Hertzberg starts a brand new series. It'll be about the Eichmann trial, Tuesdays, 9 a.m. Eastern time, right after Sukkot. That'll be two days after the holiday here at the Nachum Siegel Network. We'll remind you, of course, about that. Also, you're making your Yom Kippur War curriculum available to everybody. Now, I've sent this to Avrami, which means if anybody who gets today's newsletter, there'll be a link where people can download it. Just describe for a moment, Rabbi Hertzberg, what you're offering everybody.
9: So I worked together with an organization in Israel Ami as well as with the organization United to develop this curriculum. I did part of it. They did part of it. It's six units and we deal with uh, with an emphasis on life lessons that could be learned from it for, for students, but for really anybody. We talk about the intelligence failures. We talk about decision making under uncertainty and a few other uh, topics from the, from the war, leadership and heroism. And each unit has a uh, PowerPoint presentation, background information, um, teacher's guide, but it's all information to help you really understand the aspects of the war. Uh, lessons, uh, trying to make it practical for life, lessons as well. And you know, you know, we're sending it to schools, hopefully getting it more and more. But really, uh, anybody, you know, we're, we're happy to share it, no charge. It's, it's. We just want to get that information out. Uh, there's also a little video from Evgeny Kalani who uh, reviewed parts of it as well that we worked with him as well and really we just want to share it to get to get the uh to motivate people to learn more about it and and there's so much so many wonderful articles and stories and videos right now on youtube and on the internet that are really just inspiring stories be prepared to cry they're painful and you're they're inspirational
1: and you're willing to give your
9: email address for anybody who wants it correct anybody wants it you know org. absolutely where you know we we we, we want to share this we want to get the message out we want people to to learn about it and um you know, learn the even some like 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 the leadership. As one general that I've interviewed said, you know, leadership is by definition under conditions of uncertainty. If there's right. certain conditions of certainty, you got management. You don't need leadership then. You just follow the rule book. Uh, and and so many lessons like that to learn, as well as to understand the uh, the background information and uh, see stories of Givu Rav, uh, the, the major who came back several times after being injured, or right. the Hillel Ansdorf from Mazah who takes a safer Torah into captivity. Just and- amazing, amazing amazing amazing
1: story and anybody who gets our newsletter uh if you get our newsletter today and every day our daily thread everybody that link will be in there as well in the story about this conversation so you'll be able to access the curriculum that way and i know you have a special contest and program uh with uh, yad vashem i think we'll save that for another day i assume that's being announced sometime in the next few weeks right
9: Amy Etz Hashem are going to be co-hosting a conference with Yad Vashem here at the Yeshiva Flatbush. Um, they're going to be, for teachers who've done their program, new teachers, and also a very exciting thing we're starting for select schools that will be in, you know, we have a limit to the number of schools we'll be inviting for a student ambassador program. All right. Will so be very intense for high school seniors.
1: So get me the uh, details on that, and we'll choose a time to speak about that on the air. Thank you Great. so much for joining us today. Gamar Tov, to you, or are by Hertzberg. Gemar-, and- Gemar Tov, as
9: well. Thank you so much,
1: Nachum. And uh, hopefully uh, more and more people will acknowledge the incredible gift that God has given us in the state of Israel and the miracles that he's performed in order for us to be able uh, to continue having the state of Israel. Kolak, I vote to you, and thanks again. Thanks again, nothing. Bye-bye. 50 years since the Um War. You're listening to a Wednesday morning edition of JM in the AM.
0: Ufnihem am Ubakot, a sheil a veruat kolha esch, ve ha shikot, sham Hajamaim a shar pastu Alan Malim, vee nehem, kvedot mi mela, ve Galim, Parts of el kraf so M. Veniz refu be Tilim we esh nun mem. Bishem Hatzan Chanim Shebein of Fered we Asham. Raghu otach kemo mal achne Vai o o caitto da dor ca扯, Na nome do humanas <laughs> sonos de
1: brothers and sisters in Israel, we are with you. It's your favorite America's one and only Jewish Moments in the Morning radio program. Heard on listeners, sponsored digital radio. Rather, the web and and the Network, and of course, on the beloved NSN app. Wraps up an amazing Wednesday here at JMA. My thanks are by Dr. David Hertzberg. Yom Kippur War 50 years later. Unbelievable. Plenty more coming up. Bessie's Zweig with a uh, with a Wednesday live lunch starting at 11 a.m. Eastern time. If you missed the conversation with David Heber about 5784, calendaric trivia for 5784. It's coming up next on JM Rewind to pay attention for that. And tomorrow morning, we're back starting at 6 a.m. as we get closer and closer to the great holiday of Sukkot. Have a fabulous Wednesday. Till tomorrow, Nachum Sigur reminding you, remember the past, live the present, and trust the future.